0: You're about to listen to another Bonversation. Bonversations feature the most interesting and insightful people in the act realm and beyond. Every episode is made possible by people like you who value and support independent media. Now here's your host, JLB.
1: It wasn't a tent, it was this magnificent thing. Okay, conversations number 39, and I've been looking forward to this one for quite some time. I first met our guest today online back in 2015. And as some of you know, back then I was interviewing a lot of flat-earthers because I was very naive and I was under the impression that a lot of these people were genuinely trying to find out the truth about the shape of the world, or does the world even have a shape? Where are we? What are we doing here? All these kinds of things. Now, a lot of them, it turned out, were not as serious as I had initially thought. But some of them, I think, were trying to learn and trying to improve. And one of them, he has his critics, he has his fans, he has people who love him and hate him, a bit like me, actually. And I'm talking to him today. He survived the Flat Earth Wars. I'm talking about Nathan Oakley, 1980. He's here with us today for our first conversation. Nathan, great to have you on the show.
0: Thank you for inviting me along. It's been, it's been too long.
1: It's been a very long time, my friends. You've been involved in this YouTube stuff since 2015. So it's 2024 now. In fact, it's February 14, 2024. This is conversation number 39. You've been involved in this stuff for the best part of a decade, Nathan. So my first question for you is, looking back now, did you have any idea getting into this would lead to where you are right now?
0: hoped it would so i spotted the subject slightly before then actually it's late 2014 and i was looking for a subject to cover and i thought that's an evergreen subject the nature of earth is an evergreen subject and there are very few evergreen subjects on youtube now bearing in mind that at the time there was a handful of people covering it um that was the for me a good time to get in not that it really helped in exponential growth terms but nevertheless i got in Very, very early on, as did you. It has been. It's been the best part of 10 years. You're right. Yeah, one of the things you asked me just before we started recording was about influencers. You also said that in the email. And I'm smiling because one of them's you. So when I met you, we were having a similar roundabout, vague discussion about Flat Earth. But later on, it might have been a couple of years even, you got into a -a tête-à-tête with the now-deceased Antonio Subarats. And I offered to moderate the discussion between you two. And that inspired me to do what I do now. So you, how you behaved, Antonio, how he behaved, and the enjoyment I got out of that process. I'll never forget it, because my wife was pregnant, and we were getting checks done at the hospital, and what was on my mind was... Um, was you and your debate with uh, Antonio Subarats because it was very important to me. So much so that I now have a show. Pretty much the starting point, if you want to call it that, was that show with you and Antonio, just so you know.
1: That is amazing to me. I did not know that. Okay, so let me get this straight. My debate with Antonio Subarats was in 2016. I remember it well. And you were the moderator for that debate. And even though you were and probably still are a flat earther, I thought, I trust this Nathan Oakley guy, based on our interactions, to be a good moderator. Because obviously in the debate, Antonio was the Flat Earth side, and I was the non-Flat Earth side. And people said to me, oh, you can't have a Flat Earther as the moderator. I'm like, don't worry, Nathan's going to be fine. And I think he did a good job. So I'll put a link to that debate in the show notes below for people who want to go and check it out. Are you saying that you started the Flat Earth debates, that part of your channel after the Antonio debate?
0: Yes, very much so.
1: I honestly didn't know that. That's actually brought a big smile to my face.
0: What well, you expose my ignorance, and that's still to this day the premise that I work on, which is going to sound terrible if you're going to ask me for pinpoint information on stuff and I'm jack of all trades have a vague idea about it, but we'll get to that later. But what it exposed to me was my own ignorance. So both you and Antonio had gone out and done research. Now, when I was being schooled, if you will, when I was in school, we were taught based on the trivium, which is something you've talked about in the past, right? Learning about logic. I've later found out that is not the education that most people get in what you might call public schools but again that's maybe something we'll cover a bit later but the the approach that you both took sh- demonstrated to me that you both understood what primary source research was and you know how to get to the the bottom of things and again that's something that you you very much focus on on your channel which i which i like now don't get me wrong i'm not a member of your website but i've been around you and know enough about what you do to to recognize how you do business which is to say that you you research things properly Based on how an educated man would research things if they know how to research as opposed to your surface, your, uh, surface puke regurgitators headline readers and alike who <laughs> haven't got a clue if what a friend of a friend of a friend wrote about is actually true or not but you, you struck me as someone that, that, that was admirable in that respect you, you know how to do research, you know how to do primary source research more specifically and where you've reached dead ends, you highlight that to your audience. Now Antonio, rest in peace, was a very different type of researcher, but nonetheless, you you both seem to have basically done your homework. In so doing, I sat back watching you both, I'm like, this exposes how limited my understanding is. It was humbling. Yeah? So what I thought was, there's two paths I can take. I can either E like JLB and do a lot of primary research, primary source research, or surround myself with people who do a lot of primary source research and then just check that they've done it right afterwards, because that's a lot easier.
1: (laughs) Wow, this is blowing my mind, man. The Antonio Super debate 2016. So we're talking the best part of eight years ago. And you are right, he has reportedly uh, passed away. You know, the thing about that, and this is more of a second half of the call conversation, but since you brought him up, I didn't know much about Antonio. And the next thing I know, this debate that I was meant to be having with that I thought I'd be having with some other people, they instead threw Antonio in front of me because they refused to debate me. Antonio didn't seem to know what he was getting himself in for. And so we had this debate and it was very publicized in that corner of the internet at the time. But then after that, Antonio and I started chatting off the record. I think you might have been in one of those calls as well. It was a cordial, polite chat. And next thing I knew, we were actually getting along really well, he and I. And he was the one who started telling me about Tesla. And at that time, I hadn't looked into Nikola Tesla. And Antonio said to me a couple of things, and I was like, I didn't even know that was the story. So I I went and looked into the official story of Nikola Tesla, and that led to my Nikola Tesla is a hoax theory and all the work that I did on that. So as we're sitting here talking, my mind is sort of going back through these memories. 2016, the the flat earth debate with Antonio Subrats. Anyway, we'll come back and talk about that one, Nathan. So for the listeners who don't know, you run this YouTube channel, Nathan Oakley 1980, about 25,000 subscribers. Can you tell us, for those who might not be familiar with what you do, what is it that you do with your channel and Flat Earth Debates?
0: So I invite people to join the show daily. So Monday through Friday, although originally it was seven days, it's not anymore. Um, I invite people to join and debate about the nature of Earth. Over the course of six years, I think it is now that the show's been running, we've developed housekeeping questions which essentially address each of the debating points that have come to fruition with a a question that's sort of self-summarising in its asking. And those get asked at the beginning of the shows, and then the Discord server is publicised with a link below the show so that anybody can just join very easily and just put their objections to what we're discussing in the moment, or put a claim forward, or object to a claim that we've made, etc., etc. And, uh, yeah, we get into all sorts of wrangled angles about... I tend to find that we are in opposition to two two main categories no three main categories the first is globe earth believers now they're cursory answers that don't necessarily know much about their own subject or belief that's globe earth that may come along that's the first most obvious category most people in the western world if you're a globe believer would fit in that category and then the second category is what i call anti-flat earthers they're people who are more than willing to relinquish their own globe rhetoric to win a point against a flat earther whatever that point may be and the third people that we oppose are flat earthers and again as we discussed in the pre-show there's probably going to be a fair amount of agreement between you and i about what is archetypically a flat earther if you will or stereotypically a flat earther and i don't like any of those things that get associated with those people (laughs) although i do call myself a flat earther because earth is especially flat that's easy to demonstrate maybe we'll get into that as well But beyond that, the rhetoric that we call the feast of nonsense could be presumed to be a controlled opposition narrative that is preferable for a globe narrative to have as an opposition. Those are the general ideas that most flat earthers will put forward, and we tend to stand in opposition to most of them. If you don't know what I'm talking about and you're listening, you go, what's he talking about? He's a flat earther. How can he be in opposition to flat earthers? Well, if you get a general stereotype idea of what a flat earther is you'll have an idea of a guy talking about ice walls maps maybe the azimuthal equidistant projection with the sun and moon floating over the top of it you'll have them talking about nasa a lot i'll be talking about globe a lot definitely be talking about the globe a lot if they're flat earthers yeah all that i hate and i assume jlb's got a similar center oh no he has <laughs> anyway there well, you go. i've got, I've got a ton of notes
1: as yours. Now, as you're speaking, I'm taking down tons of notes. So for listeners who might not still be up to speed, because some people who listen to the conversations won't be familiar with any of this 2015-16 FE stuff, you run this channel, Nathan Oakley1980. You do these flat-earth debates. Like you said, it used to be every day. Now it's not. We'll talk about that later. And back in 20, the end of 2019, the start of 2020, so before the big nonsense that we all remember that happened in 2020, I was in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and somehow I saw this video in my YouTube feed where Eddie Bravo, so this is a friend of Joe Rogan, and he's a regular guest on Joe Rogan, which is reported the biggest podcast in the world. Eddie Bravo is doing his podcast, and he says, I love this Nathan Oakley guy. He destroys people. So I'm going to, for my audience, insert a clip here. This is just a couple of minutes of Eddie Bravo talking about this guy who we're talking to right now, so this is Eddie Bravo, very well known in the MMA, UFC world, runs his own 10th Planet uh, Jiu-Jitsu, has branches all over the world, so he's a MMA teacher, a Jiu-Jitsu teacher, and he's very well known because he's been on Joe Rogan's podcast as well, and he's kind of the conspiracy guy on the Joe Rogan podcast, but he has his own podcast, and I saw this guy talking about Nathan Oakley on his podcast this was, like I said, the end of 2019, start of 2020. So I'll insert this clip right now for listeners. Take a listen to this.
2: You know, I listen to guys like you, David Weiss, Eric Dubé, uh, You know, Nathan Oakley is f- my fucking favorite right now. I love Nathan Oakley. Yeah, me too. He demolishes Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Oh, man. And on, Thompson, on, Nathan Thompson. Yeah, Nathan Thompson. Nathan Oakley, 1980. Follow his uh, – he does Flat Earth Debates every day, mm. live, live streams, Flat Earth yeah. Debates. Anybody could get on and, uh, you know, and and debate him, and he just demolishes everybody.
1: So, Nathan, that is Eddie Bravo talking about you and your flat-earth debates and how you destroy people. I wanted to ask you pretty early into the chat, when you first saw that Eddie Bravo had spoken about you that way and your debates that way, what was your first impression? How did you react when you heard Eddie Bravo saying this? How can I monetize this? Yeah, well, I called into your show actually following that. I don't know if you remember this. But I'm going to insert this clip as well for the listeners. I called into your show following that to give you praise for this Eddie Bravo shout-out. So, listeners, take a listen to this. So,
0: you started to speak about John LeBon, and I think you summoned him. He is in Discord, over. Very nice. Good to have you here, John.
1: Can I speak? Am I here? Yeah, you are. got about
0: two or three minutes left on the live show. Good timing.
1: Hey, man, congratulations on that Eddie Bravo shout-out. That's fantastic. Thanks. I saw the thumbnail, and I thought you were like doing some kind of parody or something, but I clicked it, and actually, Eddie Bravo, not just giving you a shout-out, that's very complimentary words that he gave you.
0: Yeah, I I pretty much put the bubble next to the word, loved. (laughs) That's where I put the thumbnail, literally, as he's saying that word, holding the mic tenderly. (laughs) I couldn't be more pleased. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and I just thought you were joking, but he literally says that he loves Nathan Oakley, nineteen eighty. I'm like, wow, that's, that's high praise, man. And um, I'm a big fan of Eddie Bravo's. That guy has the courage to talk about the North Korea hoax. I don't know if you've seen the video, but he tries to explain to Joe Rogan that North Korea, man, might not be a real country, which to me is obvious. But to a lot of people, that's a, a crazy suggestion. And Eddie Bravo's like, nah, man, look into it. And I've looked into it. I'm telling you, North Korea's a hoax. So That'd for be- him to... Mean I mean, yeah, like I said, man, congrats to you for getting that shout-out from Eddie Bravo. I think that's cool. I don't understand.
0: Cool. Uh, what do you mean, hoax? What, what, expand on it.
1: I don't believe North Korea is a real country, for a start. Okay? All the footage that we see is recorded in the same make-believe part of a city. Like, if you go and look for footage from North Korean, um, you know, parades and military ceremonies, it's different footage from different years, but it's all the same place they're recording it. Now, how hard would it be to fake a city? Seriously. Just one fake city. It wouldn't be hard, man. Be easy. So I think North Korea is a completely fake country. And Kim Jong-un, or whatever this dude's name is, is clearly just an actor. Clearly. In fact, <sighs> I'm open-minded to the idea that the same actor plays Kim Jong-un, also plays Sai from Op Gundam Style. I know that sounds crazy, but in <laughs> a crazy world. <laughs> uh, I sure think you'll find it's Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually pretty
0: funny. <laughs> it is funny. Gundam <laughs> Oh, have oh, oh, got one more minute left on the live show. John Lebon, a quick question. So, I mean, I've been to I've been to South Korea and discussed North Korea with South Koreans. So, I'm not going to say in the same way that you know the compartmentalization of NASA would mean that I could have the same comparison drawn, and you'd say, "Well, no," just because they think X, Y, and Z doesn't make it so. But by the same token, I'm cognitively struggling having been to South Korea and talked about how the North Koreans behave and the situation between them and how they interact or don't interact, as the case may be. So I can, I'm not going to write you off and say it's nonsense, far from it. But by the same token, it's a bit like I, I've my eyes are very wide open at the moment thinking, what? That's crazy.
1: I, All right, so I if you speak to the South Koreans, just, what do they know? Right, they only know man. what the TV's told them. They have propaganda in their country just like we have in ours, man. They don't know anything more than you or I know. They just get TV propaganda.
2: Yeah, but that doesn't mean that the country in itself is fake. It just means that they have like a public face and they don't want anything else being leaked out there because they have a very strict mind control system. Maybe so. I'm hoping we'll. Well, to you that all to...
1: countries have a very strict minds control system. Yeah, but nothing like
0: I'm really sorry to get too interrupt you guys. I'm just going around other larger.
1: See, so, yeah, I don't know if you remember this, Nathan, but you and I hadn't had much correspondence because I quit the whole flat Earth scene. I I was sick of debunking all the bad arguments and dealing with the the nonsense. And I said, right, that's it. I'm not even going to upload videos about this topic anymore. I'm saying goodbye. So I hadn't really had much to do with you. And then I saw this clip from Eddie Bravo, and I was like, I'm going to call into Nathan's show and say good work, man, getting a shout out from Eddie Bravo. not just a shout out, he was saying that Nathan Oakley is my favorite right now. He demolishes people. Nathan Oakley, 1980, follow him. He does flat earth debates every day. Anyone can get on and debate him, and he demolishes everybody. So this is as high praise as you can possibly get, Nathan.
0: This, I agree. Yeah, I trimmed that out and played it everywhere.
1: Yeah, I would have done the exact same thing. And for listeners who might not understand why I am such a big fan of Eddie Bravo, this Eddie Bravo guy, he is a successful businessman. Like I said, he runs his own 10th Planet Jujitsu. jitsu I don't know how much money he has, but I'm guessing he's very well off. He doesn't have to sit there on a podcast and talk about how he thinks that the NASA might be fake or that North Korea might not be a real country, which is another thing that he said. He doesn't have to do that. He does it, I believe. Because he actually believes it and he's interested in it. He's an intelligent guy. And then going back before that, he beat one of the graces in a jiu-jitsu tournament back in the early 2000s, which was a very rare thing back then. So in sport, in business, just in thinking, I think this guy is a very cool dude, successful guy. I like him. And I know some people think that anybody on your TV screen or anybody with uh, success, they're in on it. They're all part of some club. I know a lot of people think that way. I don't think that way. I think Eddie Bravo is the real deal. So when I found out that he was giving your Flat Earth Debates high praise, Nathan, I was rather happy for you. And uh, that was back when you'd only done about a thousand of them. According to my research that I did earlier today, you're up to Flat Earth Debate number 2049. Is that true?
0: Yeah, 2050 was today.
1: There you go. So I do sometimes friendly, I give you some friendly banter sometimes when I see you in the live stream chats or whatever. Sometimes I say words to the effect of, How many of these flat-earth debates do you have to have before you arrive at a conclusion? For listeners who might be wondering, Nathan, after 2,000 debates, 2,050 apparently, do you feel as though you've arrived at a pretty firm conclusion as to the shape or otherwise of the Earth?
0: Yes. Arguably, you could say, and many commenters do, that there is no debate. There's two different positions that I'll put to you. One is my commenter's sentiment, which is to say there is a conclusive way to demonstrate how Earth has been mapped and measured, and that is flat. Therefore, there is no debate. Now, while I 100% agree, I can prove Earth's flat. That's how it's been measured and mapped and charted and navigated and built on. Now, I can give you plenty of examples. Further to that, I can even take globe examples where they claim they've got a proof sea for a globe and show them how they're origins, that's the measurements that they'll infer when they make their globe plane were taken from a flat plane. That is to say Earth was measured flat to make this globe inference. I can go back one step further and show how a globe belief's based on a flat plane that's measured as opposed to calculated into a sphere. Therefore, from that perspective there is no debate. However there's what what is perceived to be ninety nine percent of the Western world believing they're on a sphere. Therefore there is a debate. Because the majority of the Western world oppose what we can demonstrate to be true in regards to the nature of Earth in that regard. I'm not going to say shape, because that isn't a shape, it's an aspect, but nevertheless, I, I appreciate the regards that you're driving at when you ask about Earth's shape, because the general consensus view is that it's a sphere, even if that's been derived from flat Earth measurements. And there's two sides to the answer. It becomes a namesake of the show, because there's been so many. It's been my as I described it before we got recording, my my evergreen title for the show that I can have that is daily and always relevant. It only stops being relevant if the majority of the Western world think differently, as far as I'm concerned. But then it's potentially just still a, a namesake. It's just a title of a show then, isn't it?
1: Okay, so the Flat Earth Debates, you've done 2050 as of today. So do you think you'll keep doing this for another five or ten years, or maybe for the rest of your life? Do you think we'll get to Flat Earth Debate number... 8,888 is there a end point for this or is it you're just going to keep doing it for as long as it's enjoyable or as long as there's an audience is there an end point to this
0: hopefully not like i said earlier i see it as an evergreen subject so therefore the ideal would be that i could keep a job doing this because this is my job this is how i pay my rent pay my mortgage if you will pay the electricity bill i cover those things directly from my youtubing so as much as it's <laughs> Ten times more work than anybody who's doing full time work could ever do, if that's even possible in the amount of days you have. But you know, what I'm driving at it, it. If you're running a YouTube channel and you're committed to actually making it a success, then it takes up every hour that God sends, from the moment you wake up till the moment you go to sleep, and that is my life. However, I I don't actually do any work. I mean, work. I edit videos and do live streams, and it's 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 fantastic. I love what I do. So. Picking something that was evergreen was was paramount. You know, when I was thinking about branching into doing videos on computers, then that's also evergreen but saturated. So now Flat Earth has kind of been saturated, but for the wrong reasons. The algorithm is saturated with anti-Flat Earth. If you search this subject now, it's not like when you or I searched it 10 years ago, where you'd find your way to Jaron or Mark Sargent or Eric DeBay you mentioned. You'd find your way to something like that. Now you find your way to Simon Dan or Professor Dave Explains or Il Nye or something that's debunking a claim that Flat Earth has made. So it'll have Flat Earth in the title, but it'll be their response to our response to a globe claim. That's what you find now if you search this subject.
1: So you mentioned Simon Dan. There's another blast from the past. That fool has made a couple of videos about me. I'm guessing he's made some videos about you as well. Oh, lots. He made a video about me. I made, because I've got this theory backed up by scientific studies that ultrasound, so-called ultrasound, is not safe or effective for the baby in the womb. Okay, and if people are interested in hearing more about that, check the show notes. I'll link to my material about that. So Simon Dan decided to do a response video to one of my videos talking about the safety or otherwise of ultrasound. So in other words, I'm saying, I don't think this is safe or effective. He's saying oh, look at crazy John Le Bon saying that ultrasound isn't safe. And then his evidence to support the official story, like if he, if I didn't know better, I'd think he was doing a parody of the establishment defenders, if you get what I'm trying to say here. It was so terrible. I was like, is he actually, am I, am I communicating this to you properly, Nathan? I'm not sure if I'm communicating this to
0: you. No, I know exactly what you're
1: saying. His attempted defense of the official story was worse than the official story itself, is what I'm trying to say. It was phenomenal.
0: that sums up Dam quite nicely.
1: He makes his money from taking my videos or taking your videos and then doing response videos. That's how he makes his money, just sitting there, defending the official story, not even doing a good job. I could do a better job defending the official story than he does. But he makes his money, and he has his little, you know, 100,000 YouTube subscriber trophy thing in the background, he makes, he gets his attention and makes his money defending the official story terribly against someone like me who comes along and questions the official story. Simon Dan.
0: He's not very intelligent. He's just dumb.
1: You know that idea of the midwit? Yeah. You've got the IQ bell curve. I'm not trying to pick on dumb people because some people are tall, some people are smart, some people are naturally more intelligent than others. You know, whatever the case is. I'm not trying to pick on people, but one of the leading YouTube establishment defenders is a guy who... I'm pretty sure is in that mid range, possibly on the, the left-hand side of the bell curve, if you get what I'm trying to say here.
0: Yeah, it's not very bright. Do want to hear his embarrassing defeat to me?
1: I'd love to hear about it. This is what the first hours was for. Tell us about it.
0: Okay. I, I had no uh, love for Simon Dan, so I'm not watching him and I'm not interacting with him. That's the most important part of the story. And by pure chance, I share my own show on Twitter, and that is all I do on Twitter because it's convenient, I can press one button on my own show and share it out to Twitter. It's two or three clicks, and it's done. Now, when I did this once, I happened to notice that behind the screen that pops up with the share that you're about to do, the tweet you're about to send, or the X that you're about to send, I saw behind that a tweet from Simon Dan at Nathan Oakley. Like, what the hell's this? Is that is that a tweet to me? So I looked at it, and it's got Dan describing how, quote, you and your reference frames have been ruined, end quote. It's got a picture or a a gif, whatever you call the little animated pictures, of a tractor pulling along a guy on a trampoline. The guy's just bouncing up and down with a windbreak to stop him from catching the wind as he's bouncing, being pulled. Now, the statement that Dan's made there, you and your reference frames have been ruined, Oh. I don't have any reference frames. I'm not claiming anything to do with reference frames. However, the Globe has a very specific claim that requires two reference frames. So without even having to respond to Dan's tweet, which I don't think I did, I may have done, but I don't think I did and it's not relevant if I did, I can just hold up in isolation his tweet that flies directly in the face of a claim that the Globe makes of having two reference frames. It's the the reason the stars turn right earth turns underneath the stars therefore the stars appear to move Uh, that's two reference frames that that are needed and required by the globe to make that claim and dan tweets me to tell me that they're ruined you like he couldn't make this up so without doing anything without having to offer a context or a response i just put his quote to my audience as the debunking of reference frames that the
1: globe needs
0: Uh, yeah again midwit i like that He hasn't thought it through.
1: I'm not trying to be nasty to the guy. I didn't even know this person until one day I get these notifications that someone's made a video about me and his video already had thousands and thousands of views. And in the end, I've just checked now, it's got to almost 200,000 views where he calls me the worst skeptic ever. And so it's like, I'm not picking on this guy. He's decided to pick on me. And... What did I do that led him to want to make a video about me calling me all these names? And what happens is all of his idiot followers then come to my channel and leave stupid comments, right? So he's kind of like sending his, his army of flying monkeys my way to come and leave stupid comments. Oh, you're so stupid. Why didn't you go to school? All this crap. Okay, so I'm not trying to pick on him. If anything, he's the one who's decided to pick on me. I'm telling you, you listen to this guy. I don't think he's that bright. And that's the thing. If you defend the official story, you don't have to be that bright. Because what kinds of people believe in the official story and are passionate about it? Generally, people who are not that bright. People who, they take their idea of, oh, I'm so smart because why? They went to school and got a high school diploma. Or maybe they went to university and regurgitated three more years of nonsense. And this is who they are. They're very proud. And they think, I'll give you an example, Nathan. We went to the moon, right? How dare you say that we didn't go to the moon? It's actually part of their pride as a person. They see it as a human accomplishment that we went to the moon, you see. That's the kind of idiots we're talking about here. So this guy appeals to them. And there are hundreds of times more of those people than there are genuine skeptics or people who think for themselves or do their own research. So what I'm trying to say here is this Simon Dan fool, he doesn't have to be intelligent. He doesn't even have to do a good job defending the official story. He's got a much wider audience to appeal to than I do or than you do, Nathan.
0: Absolutely, and he's algorithmically favoured. So When you compare and contrast his subscriber base to his view count, he gets massively over what his subscriber count would infer. In other words, he's reaching plenty of people who aren't his subscribers. So if he's got, let's say he's got a couple of hundred thousand subscribers and he's getting a couple of hundred thousand uh, views on a video that's old when he didn't have a couple of hundred thousand subscribers, that suggests that he's algorithmically favoured. When you compare him to someone like... um Andrew Gold, if you're familiar with him, he's built up his YouTube channel as he's growing, he's being algorithmically favoured, and as he's up to 50 or 100,000 subscribers, he's getting, you know, 70, 80, 100,000 views. Kind of makes sense. It's somewhere, you know, it shows that he's getting a reasonable amount of love, and then suddenly his 100, 120, 150,000 subscriber channel is only getting 20,000 views on each video. Excellent. You know? They don't like his content. That's the only thing you can conclude. So he's having other stuff promoted above him. That's a double speak way of saying censored. That's how, they t- that's how they say it. Well, we will put our preferred content out. Well, Dan is in that category. He is preferred content, as YouTube term it. Therefore, he will reach a massive audience who, if you've, let's put it this way, found your way to Simon Dan, you're only really looking to affirm your own bias. Your your average intelligent Joe Normy who's typed in Flat Earth because they don't like the sound of it, and f- what do they get at the top of the list? Simon Dan, Professor Dave, all the thing people are listed earlier, and they will just affirm your bias with the mainstream rhetoric. And it doesn't even have to be good. If it's slightly off, that's actually advantageous, because then the average Joe Normie, who can correct them on their mainstream rhetoric they haven't quite got right, they get to feel quite intelligent as they correct Simon Dan.
1: Okay, let me jump forward to something that we probably would have discussed later on anyway. Do you feel as though, in a way, as annoying as some of these characters can be, like Simon, Dan, and the others, do you feel as though, in a way, your own channel does benefit because it creates like a dialectic or a, like a tribal in-group versus out-group? So they'll these scientism defenders, another example is Red's rhetoric, and I don't even know if he still exists, but back when I was involved in this corner of the – of the internet, these uh, these flat-earth interests, as it were. It was Reds Rhetoric and these, my, Zilla, these kinds of people. I don't even know if they still exist. But back then, these guys would have their channels and they'd say all these nasty things about me or about the other people. And then the other people would have their channels and say nasty things about Reds Rhetoric. So you see it kind of created a, a tribal in-group, out-group dialectic that both sets of content creators seem to benefit from. Do you get the point I'm trying to make here? And if you do, do you think in some ways you kind of benefit from this as well?
0: If I was algorithmically favoured, then yeah. there's a What you're saying is there's a symbiotic relationship between us and our detractors. And therefore, without them, I wouldn't have anything to bounce off. Therefore, I don't get the benefit that you're inferring from having them there in the first instance. And you you could say that, I suppose. But it doesn't benefit me your description of what you got as a result of Simon Dan addressing something you do is atypical of what I would describe also, which is to say what you get a few of Simon Dan's numpties come to tell you how wrong you are based on the rhetoric that he's regurgitated, not necessarily that well. Not really that beneficial for me. Back in the day, when it was algorithmically favouring YouTube because we were all ignorant and it didn't detract from the globe points when we were making our arguments back then because we were all useless and ignorant... Well, back then, you had the favouring of people like Jaron, who climbed their way up through the algorithm and got lots of views comparatively to their subscribers. While someone like Reg Rhetoric was algorithmically not favoured. You know, he didn't do particularly well out of it. If I was Reg Rhetoric, just putting myself in his shoes by your example, I'd be fuming at someone like Simon Dan. I mean, for me, I wish I—you know—he's not—he's not—he might be in a similar arena to me, but I don't consider him in the same arena. My arena's actually far more irritating than even Simon Dan, <laughs> but that's a different story. I, I wish Dan every success. It's like, wow, I wish I'd have cornered the algorithm the way you did with my subject, bastard. I do actually genuinely wish him every success. Good for you if you can succeed in YouTube, then so can I. I delude myself to believe, but but Red Rhetoric's in the exact same arena. Right, he's an anti-flat earther. That's the main thing that he did. And as as Simon Dan rose to popularity, Slice Barcane, I think, did you mention him earlier? And Red Rack- I didn't
1: mention Slice Barcane, but the name does ring a bell. The name does ring a bell, yeah.
0: Well, where are they now? It, it, total obscurity. And the people that have raised, raised themselves up through the algorithm, the halfwits, just purely regurgitating surface-level puke with a very limited understanding. You know the advanced mathematics, red rhetoric. If we got onto, if he managed to corner me on a math subject, you know, I couldn't figure out what year you were born in in the pre-show. I got it wrong by two years. <laughs> you know, I'm not good at maths. So red rhetoric in in some there would be some capacity that he could absolutely hold me over a barrel if we, if he got it mathematical enough, but for to to overcome my absolutely meagre understanding of maths generally. You know, he could have one over on me, right? In other words, there's something there's there's a there's an aspect to red rhetoric where he could try at least to level the playing field with me when it came to a debate, right? Simon Dan, <laughs> what, what, in what world would he be the more popular, the better educated, the more worthy of going up the algorithm? <laughs> in in a world of idiocracy is the world, and that's the world we live in, isn't it? So that's why I stop at the tree.
1: It's a very interesting point about the idiocracy. So I don't know if Simon Dan is acting like he's this. Foolish, or if he's actually this foolish, like obviously I don't know, but let's just take him on face value that he really is this middling intelligence, like a half wit, like I said earlier, and and yet he's been able to rise up to half a million YouTube subscribers, and probably makes a pretty comfortable living doing what he does, just sitting there taking videos from me or from you or from others, and then sitting there and then retelling the official story, but not even doing a good job of it if anything, kind of making his own side look more stupid, and yet he's succeeding. And by the way, congratulations to him for that. Unless there's something else going on that I'm not aware of. It almost seems as though those algorithms that you're talking about, Nathan, are almost designed to help the midwits get their message out to more midwits. I hadn't even thought of it that way. But yeah, you're right. Red's Riddick was a more intelligent, not particularly articulate or concise in his communication, but his angle was very academic And where is he now? Until you put it this way to me, Nathan, I hadn't thought of it this way. The more academic or the more technical official story defenders, where are they now? Whereas the midwit has half a million YouTube subscribers. It almost seems as though it's designed to promote the idiots to the idiots.
0: My, My parents used to moan about this when I was very young about television oh, it's being dumbed down, it's just trying to appeal to the idiots of the world and it's irritating. Now, that's happening with YouTube, but with much better constraints because they can control it algorithmically rather than just by programming.
1: Man, I've written this down. I hadn't actually thought of it that way. And you could be right, actually. Maybe the, the algorithm, to use this term, this almost cliche term at this point, maybe YouTube is designed in some way that... You could take 10 different people defending the official story, the one who defends it in a way that's most easily understood by the average person, which is to say a moron who knows nothing about anything, that those videos, somehow the algorithm will know to promote them, even before the engagements and other things are factored in. Somehow the YouTube system knows, hey, this is something that an idiot could find impressive. So let's promote it to more channels. I've never thought of it that way. It could be possible. It'd make sense. And again, so Dan, good on him, dude. If he has made, if he is now living a comfortable life, sitting there, talking the babble that he talks, then good luck to him, man. Congrats to him. Seriously. Well done. I say.
0: Yeah. Good. Good for you. You're an idiot.
1: <laughs> yeah, but why would he care? He doesn't even know he's an idiot. Why would he care? Like if he's making good money, 500,000 subscribers, that's probably bringing him more than six figures a year. Between his merchandise and their uh, yep. YouTube and whatever, and what does he do? He just sits there and just just says whatever nonsense he thinks is real about the like, trying to defend the official story. I say good on him, dude, like, a generation ago, people like him what were they doing They were packing boxes. <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> and that's not hey, I've worked in a factory i'm not I have worked in factories before myself I've done plenty of mini labor. I'm not mocking those people but a generation ago, somebody like him, he would be—that would be about the limit of his uh, capacity. Whereas now, he can just sit there and be a YouTube celebrity and make money telling his listeners that I'm an idiot or that you're an idiot. So good on him, I say. Well done, Simon. Dan.
0: Exactly, more power to him. But he does represent the antithesis of what I find inspirational. And I described it in how you behaved with Antonio Subratz, right? But looking at logic, looking at primary source research—yeah, those are things that I find inspirational and admirable and is a surface regurgitator so there's 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 nothing inspiring about what he is or what he does the fact that he has found success with it again i i have different hats i have my what i like talking about which is flat earth that's a hat it's a very different hat to my i need to do well and pay my rent this week youtube hat where i'm sitting and looking at the statistics of my show and i'm getting growth and things like that they're different hats with my youtube hat on good on you dan lucky bastard wig yeah that's my attitude with my flat earth hat on i okay. go this guy's idiot <laughs> he's just stupid <laughs> that's nothing to be proud of in fact, if I was in your position, it, it, you know, I'd be done in Kruger and I wouldn't know or I wouldn't know, so I couldn't possibly compare and think this way, but I'd be embarrassed at how stupid I was.
1: Yeah, and he'd have no idea how stupid he is, just like most of the masses don't. In his reality, I'm the idiot, you're the idiot. Anybody who doesn't believe that we went to the moon is an idiot. In his reality, assuming that he's legitimate and he's not putting on an act, in his reality, life is good. So, yeah, well done, Simon. There is a name I hadn't even thought of until you brought him up. Like until you brought this guy up, I forgot. This guy made videos about me a few years ago. This idea of the ultrasound again, you know ultrasound is radiation, okay? They call it uh, non-ionizing radiation, right? So, oh, it's non-ionizing radiation, so it must be safe. You know when you use a microwave oven and you reheat yesterday's leftover food? That is also non-ionizing radiation. Now, you wouldn't put your baby in a microwave, would you? No, you wouldn't. So why would you apply this so-called non-ionizing radiation to the baby in the womb? These are simple questions that I'm asking. I'm not telling people don't do this or don't do I'm saying, guys, why not look into the scientific studies for yourself before you have this radiation applied to your baby? Because they call it ultrasound, but it's not actually sound. There is no animal on earth that can hear this stuff. It's not sound. They call it that because it sounds a lot better than radiation. If they called it ultra radiation, you might be like, are you sure that's safe? Like people might ask questions. They call it sound. So people don't ask questions. All I'm doing is asking those questions. Then I get Simon Dan making these videos, calling me an idiot for asking these questions. That's how moronic this guy is. So in his reality, he's a smart guy. I'm a stupid guy. And he's making bank, sitting there, defending the official story in a very poor, like he can't even do a very good job of it. I could do a better job than he can of defending the official story. I think in his reality, life is good. So I'm not being a smart ass here. I'm being quite serious. Good on him. He's done lot for himself. Now, we have to wrap up this first part of the call, Nathan. I've got tons of things I want to talk with you about. But for those who might not be familiar with what you do and why you do it, can you explain in concise fashion, if you were talking to somebody who is open-minded, they understand that school might not have taught them everything, they might realize there's more to the world than they initially realized, and they're willing to hear what you have to say for yourself, and they say to you, Nathan, what is the best reason or reasons why you believe the earth is flat, if you could give a relatively concise explanation for listeners who might want to go and check out your channel or find out more, what would be your answer to that? What are the main reasons or what's the main reason why you believe or some of your interlocutors on your channel, Flat Earth Debates, what leads you to this Flat Earth Debate belief or notion or whatever you want to call it? I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but you know what I'm trying to say. What would you say to these people?
0: I, I would correct first and foremost that it's not a belief because it's how it's measured. So in every quantifiable way, we measure Earth flat. Now, be that with the mapping of the territory or the surveying of the land with respect to a horizontal plane or the averaging of sea level, all of the functional ways that we interact with the world are flat. Further to which, all claims that are alluding to be globe-proof have their genesis in flat Earth measurements. Ergo, when demonstrating how we functionally use Earth, it goes way beyond belief. And in many instances, in terms of functionality with things like celestial navigation, it's a prerequisite. It must be flat for it to work to save your life at sea, for example. So there are practical demonstrations of how, like I say, you could save your life at sea with a methodology that has a prerequisite that you measure Earth flat. So it functions with the maps and charts that have been measured flat, because that's how Earth does operate, even if you've got a globe claim. So what I challenge people now in terms of keeping the debate alive is if you believe you have a globe claim that suggests Earth is spherical, the ground beneath your feet is curving away from you, And I will, with your example, demonstrate to you how your claim uses a flat earth measurement as its genesis. That's what we're currently doing in 2024. It's not always been the vibe that I'll show you how your globe claim needs a flat earth because all roads do lead to a flat earth. That's how it's measured. It's not a belief. And debating that on Nathan Oakley 1980 channel on YouTube is where I do that Monday to Friday. I invite all to join. There's an open door daily for anybody to do so. And uh, yeah, that's my daily. That's what I do for a living. And I love it. It's fantastic. There we go. Hopefully that's a good enough plug.
1: That is excellent, because I didn't know how concise you were going to be, but that was right on point. So you said something during this first hour that stood out to me. You said that there are three types of people who you seem to disagree with, three categories. You said there are the globe believers who don't know their own story, which tends to be the case, the most passionate heliocentrist believers. They tend to not know their story as well as I know it or as you know it, or well, probably most of your interlocutors at flat earth debates. You guys probably know the official story better than the ardent believers in heliocentrism. Then you said there's a second group, the anti-flat earth people, who were happy to give up, they are happy to make concessions about heliocentrism, but their main issue is to try and debate you because they hate flat earth. So it's not so much pro-heliocentrism, it's just anti-flat earth. There's a the second group. These are my words, not yours. And then the third group is other flat earthers who may or may not be controlled opposition. So when we come back to the second hour, I want to start off with this. There's three groups of people who you seem to be arguing with the most. There's a lot that I could say about all of those groups. So we'll get into all of that. And there's been a ton of other things that have come up. I've got a full page full of notes here I want to talk with you about. And I also want to just have a, a general back and forth conversation. We haven't spoken in years and we were both there in 2015, 16, when this flat earth thing got big. Now we're sitting here today. I'm coming to you from beautiful Plovdiv, Bulgaria. You're sitting there somewhere in England. This is your full-time thing. As you said, you've managed to make a, I don't know how much money you make, but enough to support yourself and a family, a young family. I'm doing this now. I've been doing this for almost 10 years, podcasting, content creating. And I'm here in Plovdiv, Bulgaria. That's where my wild journey has taken me. So we're two of the people who survived. I'm using the word survived. Maybe that sounds a little bit too uh, extreme or intense, but a lot of people were there, Nathan, in 2015, 16. A lot of them are no longer on YouTube Some of them are not even alive today, supposedly. So there is so much that we could talk about, so much drama and so much of the stuff that was happening behind the scenes and the meta elements of Flat Earth. I'm hoping you'll be up for discussing that with me in the second part of the call. But for this part, we have to wrap it up. So listeners, you can get the second part of this call at bombversations.com, or apparently I found this out just before we started recording today, that Nathan does record all of his interviews and just uploads them to his members at YouTube. So Nathan, can you explain to us how this YouTube membership works? How much does it cost? What do they get in return if they go and join your Flow of Debates YouTube channel? All
0: right. So if if I'm putting it out to members, it's just going to be out to like 13 or 14 people. So rather than sending it out to like potentially a thousand or a couple of thousand public people, if you pay a couple of quid, you can be a member and then you get access to videos. So the bit that we recorded initially, I can't edit that. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I won't. I don't think it was that offensive, the first part.
1: So... We were, we, I do a chat with people before we start recording. I say, hey, how you going? How you been? Haven't being? In this case, haven't spoken to you for a few years. What's been happening? And then at some point, I'm like, okay, are you ready to start recording? And Nathan says to me, oh, I record the whole time. I upload all of this to my members. And I'm like, well, Nathan, you could have told me that because I might have said one or two things that if taken out of context, if you upload that to your members, if, these, if what I just said to you because I thought we were off the record is taken out of context, could be used to make me look a lot more sinister than I really am. Because I have some opinions about some people who may or may not still be walking this earth. And my opinions may be along the lines of, yeah, well, that's karma. But I would have phrased how I feel a different way if I knew we were on the record. So apparently Nathan is going to upload that to his members because he just records the whole thing, doesn't edit it, and just uploads it. So if he's going to do that, you can access that at his channel, which I'll put a link to in the show notes below. But the second hour... You can access either at Nathan's channel, because he doesn't edit this, he just uploads it, or at my channel, I do edit our recordings. I get rid of the dead air. I try and balance the audio and make it sound more professional. So you've got two options. If you want the second hour, go to his channel, link in the info box below, or go to bombersations.com. But for the first hour of the call for the public upload, which goes to Podbean, I'll give Nathan Oakley from Nathan Oakley 1980 the final thoughts. And then I'm also going to edit in that clip one more time with Eddie Bravo to round out the show because that's one of my favourites from my whole time in the x realm. So, Nathan, you get the final thoughts for Bonversations 39, Part 1 on Feb 14, twenty four. And I'll see you in just a moment for Part 2 of the call. But for Part 1, for the pod being listeners, Nathan, the floor is yours.
0: Oh, well, thank you. I've been shamed because I was recording. My bad. I do typically disclaim it to everybody. If I'm here, I'm recording. But I didn't disclaim it to you immediately. So my bad. I apologise. But no one's heard that yet. And I may not even upload it. So there we go. And for the... Thirteen or fourteen members that are going to be seeing it as it's done that's it you know i can't I can't control them. They haven't heard that bit by the way. Right, that out of the way. I hope you' all go and listen to conversations again if you happen to be listening to this as an Nathan Oakley nineteen eighty audience member then you need to go and check out John LeBond's website, which is I know I kept on giving it both ways, but it is johnlebon.com as opposed to jlb.com. So I will stop saying it that way around. But I've been giving it out as both ways. And I do hope a few of my audience members, because I, I do tend to promote you um, to my audience, because I like you and I watch you, as you well know. I'm always in your chat. And I hope people do maybe on onto your website and you get a few members out of it, because I know you support yourself by that means. And being... The reason we've survived, just as that was one of the last points you rounded out this first half with, the reason I think we've survived is because we've looked at it from a a point of view that we are trying to at least sustain ourselves with this thing that we do that we enjoy. And while I've looked at it from the aspect that I do want to take enjoyment out of it, I've also had that YouTube hat on, and you've done the same with your website. So I do encourage all of the people that may or may not listen to this, certainly, if you ever do publish the first half to the public, that's when I'll probably publish that video at which point i have long forgotten about how detrimental that first little section might have been, and it wasn't, I assure you. Anyway, um, yeah, I hope hope some of my audience do go and actually join your show on your website, on johnlabon.com, and and pay you to get the material. So they're not going to get, like, a 10-year version of you that I've been privy to, even some interactions personally, but they can get the condensed version that you've put a lot of bloody work into, I know, because I've seen some of the stuff that you've later released to the public. So I know the quality... So I know what's behind the paywall, and it's worth the money. So I hope some of my audience do actually go and you know give you the money and listen to some of these second halves by being one of your members. You offer good value, anyway. That was what I was going to say.
2: You know, I listen to guys like you, David Wise, Eric Dubay. Uh, you know, Nathan Oakley is f- my fucking favorite right now. I love Nathan. Oakley. Yeah, me too. He demolishes Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Oh man. And go Thompson. To, Nathan to, Thompson. To, yeah, Nathan Thompson. Nathan Oakley, nineteen eighty. Follow his, uh, he does flat earth debates every day, Mm. live, live streams, flat earth debates. Anybody could get on and, uh, you know, and, and debate him and he just demolishes everybody.
0: You've been listening to Bonversations. We appreciate and thank all of the supporters who make this possible. Now have yourself a lovely day.
1: How dare you?